Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome back to the third hour of The Adventures of Bradley and Dawn. We are rounding out our coverage of the Golden Globe Awards, which were on TV last night, and we actually watched them. I'm Bradley Trainer. That's Dawn McLean. Yeah, I'm here, and, and I watched the whole thing from beginning to end. And uh, we're going to tell you all about it. Mike is with us as well. Now, let's get, we've talked about our first impressions. We talked about the things that we loved. Now it's time to talk about the things we didn't love so much. In fact, maybe we hated them a little bit. It's okay. Um, Dawn, <laughs> let's start with, um, you were not here for some of the drunky McDrunker pants people. Uh, <gasps> specifically, the Game of Thrones gals. Uh Oh, or people. I think there were more than one. Yes. Okay. So here we have a show that is the the prequel to uh, Game of Thrones, House of Dragon. How expensive was this show to make? How many millions? I'm assuming like 500 million or something outrageous like that, because I know that Rings of Power was like 700 million to make. So I'm assuming you know that it was uh, in that scale okay so it wins and we have three buffoons come up on stage <laughs> um the executive producer who has now quit the show because it was too long his name is miguel sapochinic M- miguel sapochinic he had on some white tennis shoes a white shirt that was very ill-fitting and it was uh he was kind of busting out of it it was untucked he had on no tie he looked like he just walked out of a bar at 4 a.m let's be clear (laughs) he even acknowledged that he looked awful and then he had two idiots next to him who are apparently play the same role except at different times in their life um so oh interesting the, okay the actresses um so one of the the wall street general actually got it wrong it was not olivia cook who was up there acting a fool it was emma darcy okay who was up there and another actress that is my page is an opening but i just want to be clear about that but they were so drunk in the background that it was embarrassing everybody like People are talking about it today. Page six had an article about how ridiculous oh, they were. It was um, it Millie was really Alcox. Ob- yeah, my, my Millie Alcox. Alcox was the yeah, other one. yeah, she also played that same role She's, in the earlier okay. seasons. She was the one that was like most obviously drunk, like could not keep herself. Like she was distracting behind the guy uh, who was accepting the award. I couldn't take my eyes off her because I was like, "What's she gonna do? She looks like she might just either fall. She's gonna like something right. good ain't gonna happen." I mean. They've got some screenshots on page six. Um, Basically, her poor co-star had to keep her upright Mm -hmm. during all of her antics. So, you know, you have this side by side. You have somebody like Kui Hui Kwan, who is so thankful for where he came from and everything he's done to get where he is. And then you have these people who are making a mockery of millions of dollars. Okay. Should we? Um... Here's a bit of the speech. Oh, 
as you can tell, we didn't think we were going to win, so I didn't get ready. <laughs> um, thank you very much. This is amazing. Uh, I've got to say, Severance is awesome. I could, I love that show. <laughs> if I could have made House of the Dragon like Severance, I would have, but it would have been a bit weird. Um, can I have a hand of applause for these amazing actors? No. They were a little wasted. Uh, we had an amazing cast, absolutely stunning. Uh, uh, who are they? I, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> they were great. Um, okay. Uh, Hollywood Foreign Press, thank you very much. HBO, mm. who kind of tr entrusted us with their golden yeah. goose. Hope it was yeah. worth it. Oh, um, starting to play them off. And <laughs> blimey, here goes the music. Uh, and one thing that I was going to say, which is really important, is... Too late. Um, <laughs> I noticed when we did the premiere in L.A., what everyone did is they had this kind of thing of relief um, rather, than, <laughs> rather than being excited and then they got excited and it was really heartwarming to know that we actually tread in the footsteps. It's clear of, he didn't prepare uh, for this at Game of Thrones. Am I right? We can uh, just end it there, one. I think. Oh <laughs> my but god. That, but wait, there's more. You also wanted to talk about Nicole Byer and Catherine Hahn. Oh, wow. So these are tied for um, most disrespectful. Yeah. So they were presenting and they had this idea that because everybody in the category was a little weird or it was a little strange, their 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 category, that mm. they were just going to make a mockery of the entire category and men in general, yeah. which I'm quite sorry. I, I'm, I am a feminist, but I'm a little tired of the whole like men don't deserve like we've worked hard as women's but you don't deserve any praise for any of your hard work oh. like that's kind of the attitude that they have sure. like well it's men so they get everything in hollywood so why should like it was really flippant oh, and God. disrespectful and it felt so gross and it went on forever like they were doing a bit where they're like, so yeah, it's men. And like, you know, like they get everything. Uh, I know. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. And it was just awful and painful. And Which is unfortunate. I love Catherine Hahn. I know. She really was out of her mind. I don't know what happened. But Seth Rogen, who was in the category, who, by the way, great performance in the Fablemans. Like, this is the best performance I've ever seen him do. Oh, wow. A serious role. Yeah. It's a drama. And probably his best work as a dramatic actor. They panned to Seth Rogen, and he was having none of it. Yeah, like, I will he, don't... He did a fake smile, but then he ended up <laughs> dropping his face like, I'm so disgusted with this right now. And you panned to the audience, and nobody was having it. Yeah. And well... I couldn't even find a clip. And the, I was going to say nobody was having it, but probably most people weren't actually paying attention, which was one of the things that drove us nuts about the, the Golden Globes last night, even though that is kind of what you expect from the Golden Globes that everybody by that point. I always feel bad for the people that are like uh, getting awards later in the broadcast because progressively everybody's just getting drunker and drunker. And it oh. seems like there's just less and less attention paid to what's actually going on, which should also be totally understandable because you're dealing with Hollywood and they're in the audience. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of, again, it goes back to that thing I said at the beginning of the show. Like, are we past this, this like artifice, this institution? We're not, Bradley. I what know, I know. But this is going to, because Hollywood is full of themselves, they always oh, want yeah. to congratulate Oh, yeah. Themselves. I mean, Hollywood's going to always Hollywood, but that They'll doesn't mean we do got to show up. And I will say that there's no guarantee that networks are going to continue to air. And what very likely might happen if we continue to have subpar 
performances or programs like the one, um, you know, for many of the reasons you've already said, they're just going to end up on a streaming service and like their audiences will go down and down. And it really, other than the Oscars, I mean, if, if not the Golden Globes, then what other award ceremony are you watching? Right? That's right. Those are the only two that really get, you know, you've got the SAG awards, which I haven't watched. Sorry. No, I mean, like, I feel like if, if you're excited to watch them, great, watch them. Most people are probably just going to, read a few headlines or see some tweets. I did also just want to save the things that we hated, and that's what we're talking about if you just joined us on the Golden Globes last night. In addition to the things um, that you mentioned, for me, it was just the overall stagecraft of everything. Like, why can't we just get... This is so small. Basic. But in my head, and this is where my, like, stage manager um, personality that, you're gonna say. that doesn't... Um, get the chance to organize big shows like this, whatever. I just, I had opinions on my couch last night. Why can't they create a path for people to get their award? So there's always this awkward climb from wherever these people are at to the stage, which involves, there was constantly this guy that had to move his chair. And it was like, like you guys couldn't have created like a path for people to go get their award. Like why? It's so, it's so not that hard it's, it's those crazy. kinds of things that just compiled on you know the list of like the people who are drunk the people who don't take it seriously as you mentioned all of that stuff when you put it all together it just makes me feel like in five years you're going to be watching this on peacock plus and you know it'll be an afterthought yeah i guess so i just wish that they could get it together in i mean in all of hollywood this is what they do is produce things so why my idea, which is very sci-fi and very new age, would be to have a people mover like you have in the airport, and then you, they just bring you, you up. They bring the, you. That's not sci-fi. No, that would just ready. be yeah. That would just be like old school, like beep beep, this, like they come through the old guy on the trolley. So everyone who's nominated stands at the people mover, okay? <laughs> I love it. And if you win, then you get on it and you have handles so you don't Oh, you mean like the address. escalator thing. I was thinking like the little tram. I like the escalator no, no, thing. No, no, I mean the, yeah. the walking the I like thing that. that you get on. Walking escalator, or the, what do they call it? Moving sidewalk. Yeah. Yeah. It's a moving sidewalk and you are jetsoned up to the front. <laughs> Everybody gets in position Beow. when you are nominated. You're there, and then you get on the people mover. And then you get off. I mean, and then you step back on it, and it takes you off the stage. And you can have a fun, <laughs> like, little camera that's watching, like, right as they're moving on the people. It would be so fun. And then it would also, if they didn't trip and fall because they're so drunk, it would be great. Yeah, well, you'd have to seatbelt them in or, like, uh, give them sticky shoes so that they would, <laughs> or Velcro shoes so that they would stick onto right. the people mover. But then you'd have to have somebody there to grab them off. So that they don't it's like fly into a Colin wall. Colin Farrell is there to. <laughs> I love this. From All right. Stage. So here's the thing: we are going to be stage directing the Golden Globes next year, Dawn. Absolutely. We've been hired. Would, I'll do it. All right. When we come back, we're going to go back to our conversation about Spare. That's Prince Harry's memoir. When we come back, right here on My Talk 107.1. Are you reading Prince Harry's memoir, Spare? We are here on the adventures of Bradley and Dawn, and we're going to get right back to the conversation because we didn't get to all the fun bits and pieces, Dawn. So what were you going to say? Sorry. Well, yeah, not really super fun bits and pieces of Spare. Yeah, there were a lot of definitely a lot of sad parts so far. I will say the one thing I've been struck by uh, in uh, Prince Harry's memoir is just his evocative ability 
to paint a picture. And I'm sure much of that is down to his ghostwriter just knowing how to put words on a page. But I have to feel like the source material was just clearly presented to that ghostwriter because there were so many times where I was like, God, I can really feel like I'm in this place or I I can see this place that he's describing, whether it's Mm -hmm. Balmoral Castle, etc., and what I loved about that was that there were moments throughout, and I don't have a clip for this because I didn't, uh, you know, find or remember a specific place, but there were times when he would own that. He would say, like, I don't remember everything, but I remember this, or like, I don't remember this particular moment, but I think this is what I said. And there was something in that, um, there was something in that honesty that I appreciated sure. because this particular. Uh, this particular memoir, I think, is being challenged by a lot of people in the media as this is just sour grapes or this is just lies, you know, calling Harry out, calling Megan out. And so I just felt like this was an this made me feel like he was being honest with us. I think so, too. And there was a moment I remember um, that you could be talking about where he was talking about a conversation with his aunt, Sarah. He's like, this could have happened this day but it could have happened two years later i can't remember Mm -hmm. but he definitely knows that it did happen i know that there was that moment but that's so far yeah no that's like a certain amount of honesty in saying because you wouldn't need to say that right like and in fact if you knew people were going to come for you for the truth and your ability to recollect what exactly what happened at some of these most contentious moments that people are arguing about constantly you know somebody might seize on that like he can't even remember blah 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 so his willingness to say yep. that, I think, is a vulnerability, which belies some honesty or at least integrity that I that then allows me to believe the other things that he's saying. And I think I can be adult enough to know that it's still just his perspective. But again, like we've said many times, his perspective is valued. Yes, it totally is, especially under the circumstances where, you know, if you haven't seen any... Um, if you haven't read or listened to any of the book yet, just to keep keep you uh, up with what we're talking about, is that he does start the book with um, the death of uh, Prince Philip and waiting for his brother and his father. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. Platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. To have a conversation, a very important conversation with him on the grounds of um, where he was supposed to be living for the rest of his life. Yeah. And then you get into his childhood and moving into the grief of his mother's death. You know, so we're talking about things in, that involve so much emotion when it comes to the childhood part that things can be blurred and muddy. But still, they're the emotions of a child, and those are all valid, whether you are the prince of, you know, whether you're Prince Harry or if you're, you know, living in an apartment in St. Paul. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, a child that loses his mother, how can somebody not have empathy for that? I'm just listening to the book thinking, how can these critics be so callous into saying criticizing i guess well don't you think it's probably because a they're not listening to the book 
because they've already formed well, their own conclusions. So why would they sure. why would they listen? But also, don't you think it's probably a little bit of well, it's it's just there are jerks in the world. Like there are people who <laughs> are uh, people who have formed an opinion about something prior to actually trying to connect or feel any empathy towards another human being. I feel like if you are human and a kind person that you'll arrive with most stories with a certain amount of willingness to listen. And then Mm -hmm. if you're a decent human, maybe express some empathy. This is the thing I'm struck by with uh, Prince Harry is like, I don't, it's not that I'm like obsessed with Prince Harry. I'm not like a super fan of the Royal family. I am completely besotted with curiosity for the British Mm -hmm. Royal family as an institution but mostly because of what it does to people. Like we yes. don't have anything like that in our country that is analogous, right? Yeah. So that's why I'm drawn in. And so when I arrive here, it's like, sure, I think I understand why people are critical of him. Cause some people just think all things Royal bad. Right. 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 But, right. But he's a human. And so I, that's why I love the the crown because I think even these people are living in a gilded cage, surely, but they're still in a cage. Like they still can only do and say certain things. And Harry is the first person, the first person in that zoo, right? Mm-hmm. That has spoken honestly in a way that no one else has, other than the closest person yeah. who did that was his mother. Right. Or you can go back to maybe. Um um edward and um wallace oh i'm sorry uh the wallace simpson the one that yeah. abdicated yeah wallace simpson A- absolutely um, like yeah i mean but again we don't have any we've got a few speeches and he was also kind of a problematic human in some other ways but like yeah. here we've got we are inside the mind literally listening to the words read by this person and if you if you think like all these people that are like, oh, I don't want to hear anymore or get over it, because I really do feel like that's what they're saying under the underneath the surface, because they're thinking, get over your mother's death. That's what they're saying, yeah. which is so offensive because he never had the tools to do that. And years and years of just not talking about something. Oh, you I know, think these children like were so damaging. The fact that he what makes me happy and this is probably because I'm, you know, I don't know. I'm just, I feel like this is a healing thing for him. Yes. Now, it also involves the lives of a lot of other people, which is a totally different conversation to have, whether that's right or wrong. But, man, this had to be a very healing process for Prince Harry, don't you think? Let's talk about it more. We will. Uh, In fact, maybe we'll talk a little bit about it when we come back, and we'll also just kind of look back at any other uh, Golden Globe leftovers we've got. How about that? Sure. Fabulous. Welcome back to the adventures of Bradley and John. I'm the Bradley. That's the Dawn. Hi. Uh, so I think we could probably go back to Harry. Were there other things in the book that we've read thus far in this in the memoir spare that uh, jumped out to you, Dawn and Mike? Feel free to join the conversation because I know Please. you're in it to win it. Yeah. I want Mike to fill in uh, because he just started listening and he listened to way further than we did so mike what what are your thoughts one of the biggest things and you actually spoke about this earlier on in the show that just got to me is you talked about being a a kid not being able to go through that step of grief Mm -hmm. not being able to Mm. work through that process it's it's interesting and i'm sure you'll get to it if you haven't heard it yet but as he continues whenever he describes what happened to his mother he'll continuously say when mommy disappeared 
when mommy disappeared. Yeah. It's he's never gotten past that either denial slash bargaining phase of the five sages. Now, I don't know later on if he'll get to that as he's recalling it or what, but he, you can just oh. tell somebody who, you know, the five stages, you should work through those and eventually get to acceptance. At least at the part he's at, he is still in that either denial or bargaining phase. Yeah, he does at a certain point accept that. I think what he is alluding to there is he truly, as a kid, was like, "There, my mom's going to come back. Like, this yeah. was all just a... This was he all... thought it was. Yeah, this, right. this was all just a hoax or this was all just a big you know lie she's uh, pretending to hide yeah, yeah. and so oh. you know you can imagine and again just to remind the audience uh who hasn't maybe had a chance to read this book yet uh or if at all they choose to um these kids were kind of on their own not kind of they were totally on their to deal with the grief of their mother they were literally you know dad comes in tells them yes they go to the family and uh, you know, have the funeral and all these things, but it, it's all within the context of the family doing their job. There is never anyone to just like hold these kids and like make sure they're okay. Um, you just get this sense of, again, as Ter- Harry tells it, of not quite abandonment, but at least just just uncomfortable totally. distance, right? Oh my gosh. Whenever you have, he describes, you know, Whenever his dad came in and told him the news that his mother had passed away, it wasn't even with William. It was separately. And then he left the room and he was left alone from like 5 a.m. until 930 just lying there in bed, not knowing what to think or feel. Nobody, he never had a chance to express to anyone, maybe she's faking her death because he literally had that hope. Until his his, you know, a moment that happens in the book where he sees, you know, he's given her hair and then we talk he about still that. questions it. We talk about that, please. Can we tell Let's people talk about, about that? that? Do you want to tell people so, how that happened? So what happens is that all this time, like he, he's basically at Belmoral left to just roam the castle with William and like yes they have nannies and stuff but no one's talking to them and so he had this belief that you know maybe his mother she hated the paparazzi and she's just hiding she went to Switzerland and bought a cabin like he's trying to negotiate that this can't be true and then his aunt Sarah comes to visit Sarah Ferguson she, Fergie, she, gave, she gives him but they go to Paris like part of his family goes to Paris because they have to claim the body and he hates even hearing the body it's like no that's that's mummy like it's not a body yeah. you know so yeah. sarah comes to the boys and gives them a blue each a blue box and says i i saved this for you and they open it and he said i didn't know what it was was it a beautiful moth was it a mustache and then he realizes she says this is a part of your mother's hair that she clipped yeah so sarah ferguson i didn't know this just like despite and take it out of the context of the very uh, loving way you just shared this story. Sarah Ferguson clipped off Diana's hair. I like that just blew my mind because I did not know that. I'm sure maybe other people knew that or that was already out there, but I don't think so. That that I've was just that was just. I mean, so you can always have a piece of your mother's beautiful blonde. I hair. mean, I guess I get that in some sense, but like, do you give it to the children at that point? Like, I don't know. There was just something very odd to me about that whole thing. Yeah, nothing's being managed in that way. Nobody's thinking about should we do this now or not. No one's thinking about the kids. Yeah, no, you get that sense over and over again. And can we talk a little bit about because there was this, 
this moment after the death of Diana where his dad, again, remember his dad, and there are some sweet moments with Charles in the way he interacts with his boys, right? Like Charles is a complicated person for a number of other reasons, but you you do get the sense from from Harry that his dad can be bizarrely attentive in some occasions. Like he writes some okay. little notes. I haven't gotten to that part yet. Well, I know. I <laughs> no, mean, I, I know really what you're saying. I, I, yeah. I, I know what you're saying, but like there are moments when um, he writes him little letters and okay. checks in on him at night and things like that. But then there are these grand things that Charles just seems to completely miss the opportunity to be a father with a grieving child. And one of them is all about a trip they don't want harry to be alone during school break have you gotten there yet dawn i haven't and okay I'm so i yeah please i kind of don't want to sh- i almost don't want to share it with you how about this oh, i'm no, gonna it's fine no 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 here's what we're gonna do because i think i want to uh, i want to just tell you uh okay. sort of what happens and then I, we'll let you get to experience it with the audience the next time we talk about this because here's the thing we're going to be talking about this as long as we read this book. And guys, if you want to jump in, start now and, um, you know, join our Not A Book Club. But there's a moment where they don't want Harry to be alone, so they decide to take him on a trip. Ultimately, the reason they want the trip that they take him on is all in service of his dad looking like a better person. It's all mm. in service of, like, Charles is getting too much negative publicity. And... Ugh. Therefore, they would like to send him to a place that will get him some positive publicity. It's not like what will best serve Harry. It's what will best serve Charles. Right. And it's it's just in moments like that where you're thinking to yourself, this is what it's all. This is why this is a problem, because it's not helping the family or the people. It's just helping the institution. Which absolutely at the end of the day, when you're on your deathbed, unless you're the king or the queen, the institution doesn't matter to you because you're second fiddle or third fiddle or in the case of Harry at this point, sixth, eighth fiddle. I don't know what fiddle Mm -hmm. number he is, but like (laughs) it just makes it seem like more of a tragedy. Absolutely. Well, that's um, so that is something that I look forward to. As I continue to listen to the book, wow. Yeah. Oh, boy. Because really, so whatever this trip is, like, let's say you wanted to do it the right way, because we are criticizing the way Charles did this and what they decided, because it's like, this is going to make me look like a good dad, okay? What he really needed was just to be alone with his dad. Like, take him alone on a trip somewhere, hunting or whatever it is that you want to do. Like, be alone with him, be a dad with him, just have either the two of them or just Harry, you know, and spend time with him. Well, and ah. it, 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 it just seems like at the end of the day, all decisions around the family will go back to, will it make this person look good? And the only person that matters is either in this case, Charles, because it's, you know, ultimately Charles will be king uh, or his mom, the queen right. at that time. Right. So, and can you just imagine, like, we have complicated relationships with our own families. Sure. Add to that the complication of, like, make them the head of state, right? Like, you can't, your mind just can't even wrap itself around it's, what that must be like. Right, truly. And I, you know, like, I have 
my boyfriend MC has two sons that are basically the same. It's like the same age difference. Oh wow! And I see him every day. Yeah, that they're here. Take time, like two hours every night, to spend just with them. You know, and like people can relate to that. Like, how much time and effort do you put into your kids to make sure they're okay and to be a dad for them? Well, yeah, or a mom for them. You know, and, and then you have this. <laughs> just like we're listening to this, and then like you look at your own life as you're doing everything you can. You know, people out there just trying to pick up their kids from daycare or make sure that they feel loved. And then well, as like, a mom, oh, like my God, I don't want to put like your mom hat on, but like as a yeah. mom. And you're listening to this child talk about this. I mean, I'm not even a parent, and my heart is going out to this kid. The, right. The, you know, I Harry am, writing about My heart about. is breaking. It is like, because, you know, you just want to take care. I just want to take care of him. You know, I just want to, like, take this child and give him a hug and, like, let him cry. Because he talks about how he can't cry. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what that's about, because I've never really, like, explored that with people in trauma. Mm. Because Harry said he couldn't even shed a tear, but he's shaking all these people's hands, and their hands were wet. And then he figured out that it was from tears. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, well he does sure talk do about... He does talk about later that he he actually used some like psychedelic drugs. That was a whole conversation. I was like, maybe he'll talk about that later oh. in the book. We just haven't gotten there. But in some of the sure, press interviews, sure. he talked about how, like, with the care of a doctor, they did uh, some hallucinogenic drugs that apparently allowed him to access those feelings and emotions. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have 14 hours. We got a lot to more to. to go, you guys. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll get to that eventually. I I just, I don't know about you, but I love when I listen to somebody's memoir, I kind of feel like I'm carrying around, uh, carrying that person around with me for the time that I'm reading it. So it's like, I've got a friend. So like when I'm in the car and I'm listening to him, care of Harry. well, I don't know if I'm taking care of him, but I'm certainly listening to him. And I feel like he's kind of like a presence, which I just had this feeling as I was wow, driving that's in really kind of profound. I mean, Maybe I'm just on drugs. <laughs> I, am, I, am on, I am on drugs. Yeah, but those drugs you know, are like, supposed I'm to help you get viral drugs <laughs> and they're affecting my other drugs. So it seems very profound to say that. Well, good. I'll take it, girl. I'll take your profundity. Um, <laughs> no, I was simply going to say that uh, I think that's the huge gift of a memoir is that you, that we the world it is so powerful right to get a person's voice in our ears that is an incredible space that we allow people to have and so mm. it's it just feels good to carry you know people around that sounds weird i don't know i don't want to get too woo woo i have a little hairy in my pocket I, okay i don't want to hear about your little hairy in the pocket we <laughs> have to terrible. mike take okay, us away also. mike <laughs> cue the break because Dawn just made it really uncomfortable. Check her meds. No! All right. When we come back, Mike is going to take over for us because clearly we can't do this on our own. He's got a game show roulette wheel to spin, and we'll find out where it lands when we return right here on My Talk 1071. If you got a little hairy in your pocket, you're in the right place, according to Don McLean here on oh, the Adventures no, of Bradley and Don. Oh God, bring it up! We're gonna make it a promo, girl. Oh God, I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> oh yes, you did. I know exactly I really what you meant. Uh, 
No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, we are, however, at the portion of our program each and every day where we turn things over to Mike to spin that game show roulette wheel. Time now to play along. It's Game Show Roulette. Here's your host, Mike Ganger. Yes, time once again for Game Show Roulette. Bradley just laid it out. We'll spin the wheel, see where the game show... You guys are getting so good at that. That tic-tac-doe, really awkward, terrible clap along Love is it. the best part of Game Show history. <laughs> I might have a delay, though. That's the best part. It's everyone's a little off. They all just oh, yeah, I have a delay. expose how they have no beat whatsoever. All right, let's give the <laughs> wheel a spin and find out what we're going to be playing today. Don, you've been killing it lately, by the way. Not a nice Those little drugs run. have worked. <laughs> oh, a new one? Wait, wait. Let's go. No, I'm Are not. You smarter than a fifth grader? We established this last time. <laughs> I was not smart. There's something about this game with Dawn on the drugs that she's on that really excites me. Good! So, <laughs> let's, That's let's, what I'm here for. We right? almost had a brand new game. There are still plenty of spots on the wheel that we haven't played yet. We'll get to some of them. I know one, Bradley, we almost had your favorite uh, game that we haven't got yet. Yeah, it'll um, come someday. It's, it's going to come here eventually, trust me. But uh, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader is where we're going. You guys may remember this. Played it uh, a couple of weeks ago, but uh, it's going to be the same format as last time. Either of you can uh, choose the category for your opponent. And the questions oh, will be starting in first grade, then second grade, third grade, working our way up to fifth grade. And uh, let's see how you do. Whoever All right. Most right wins it. Donna, sure. are you ready? So I need a piece of paper. I'm like Donna. Oh. Valentine. You have to have, uh, we have a lot of qualities. I have a bunch here. Say Donna and I. And I have to write things down. Here. It's oh. just like a thing. Oh, my God. He's giving me a napkin <laughs> through the camera, you guys. You can't get it? Sorry, can't grab it? you want me to lose? Whatever, I get it. Oh, my God. Why, Why don't you choose the category first, then, Don, and then we'll have Bradley okay. go first, and you can fetch a piece of paper. Okay, how about astrophysics? <laughs> We've got math, history, oh. or social studies, English or language arts, science, or geography. I'm going to be nice and do geography. Geography. So the one first 100. grade. Yes, the first grade question, geography. Oh. You don't Brett, pick. This is not sorry. Jeopardy, dear. <laughs> we remember how that went. Slow down. <laughs> Bradley, we'll start things off with your first grade geography question. What continent is uh, continent is, are the uh, pyramids of Giza located? Africa. And, of course, that's right. Good job. One there for Bradley. Right. All right. In response for uh, for Dawn, what uh, category is she going to be answering a question? Dawn from? is going to do uh, science. Science. Na, 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 na. All right. Here we go. A caterpillar changes and grows into what, Dawn? A butterfly. There you go. We're cruising right along here <laughs> through the first grade. Nice. Good job. Nicely done. I want to see a perfect score here. I mean, y'all made it through fifth grade. You should like, be. Able could to... we just get past like first grade before we You've done try that. to win it all? You were on through the first. Okay. So. All right. Moving on to second grade. Go ahead and choose the category, Don. How about history? History. Is that a category? Yep. History, social <laughs> studies. Bradley, who was Jackie Robinson? Jackie Robinson was a baseball player. Yes, what made him so famous? You didn't ask me that. Well, that was, I mean, the, the the answer is that's part of the answer. Oh. Oh, uh, the, the first African American baseball player. You know, yes! first African American major league baseball player. Congratulations, well done there. Thank you. Working our way uh, through it. What category is Don going to answer from? Don is going to do math. Math. All righty. Oh, no. Don, are you ready? 
This is no, where you might but need. Go on. This is for my, maybe where you need paper. Uh, what <laughs> number is the Roman numeral XVI? XVI oh, is 16, Bob. Good job. There bro. you go. Nicely done. I feel like you guys had two wrong at this point last time we played this game. Yeah, well, so we've been we've been studying. It. You've been practicing. Doing it smells like chili. It's chilly day today, so yeah, that makes oh, sense. Oh, that's why. Yeah. Uh, don't d- say things like that to me. It's really weird and confusing. Okay. Because she's like, I don't smell. Actually, weirdly, she does smell chilly. <laughs> <laughs> what? Get over it. Come on. Don, Let's get through this. Get ahead. over it. <laughs> go ahead and pick your next category there, Don. I'm just going to go back to my little hairy in the pocket. Yes. <laughs> don't. It's hard um, not to when it's in their pocket right there. It's... Um, let's see. Um, how about art? Uh, art an, is not one of la- the topics. Language arts. That's an option. Language arts. Okay. Sean, <laughs> art. All right. Uh, P.E. English. I say P.E. English, English and language arts. What is the main character of a story called? Uh, the main character of a story yes. is called the protagonist. Nailed it. Third grade question is correct. God, I'm good. That's, That's a third grade. grade question. That's a third grade question. Oh my god, I did not know that in third grade. No way. I barely knew that in. I would have said college. me. All right, uh, Bradley. What what category is Don answering a question from? Don has to do social studies. All righty. Are you ready, Don? Yeah. The first fireworks were invented in which country during the seventh century? Ooh, I would say China. And you'd be correct. Pew, pew. Nicely done. Just rolling right through it. I'm are we here? Right. Those are my uh, fireworks noises. You're welcome. beautiful. That's perfect, yes. Uh, Don, go ahead and give Bradley uh, which category he's going to have to answer his fourth grade mm. question from. Math. Math. <laughs> Bradley. All right, I'm going to try my best. What's 23 times 4? 23 times 4 is... Uh, 92. That's correct. Nicely oh, done. I'm glad I didn't answer I was going to say, Dawn's face was like, <laughs> she had a totally different answer. What were you going to say? I was going to say 96 <laughs> because I was thinking about 25. And then I said minus what? 4. I don't oh, I'm know. so confused. <laughs> What's the square root on. of Dawn? Just move on. Don't pick math, please. All right, Bradley. You already got math. Which category for fourth grade for uh, for Dawn? (laughs) Um, For Dawn. Uh, I don't think she's had the uh, language arts yet. Right? Okay, it is four to three. By the way, four to three is a score. Who's winning? Uh, you minute. are, but oh. Don hasn't played yet in this round. Okay. So, Don, here we go. Find the preposition. Find oh. the preposition. You can do this. The pretty calico cat sat on the kitchen table. Easy. Pretty. No. Oh. Your, answer, your answer is pretty. Oh no 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 no! Wait, say it again. The pretty calico cat sat on the kitchen table, which is the preposition. You can do it. You can do it. Hold on. The pretty calico cat sat on. What's your answer? On. Yes! Yes! A second, but you got got there. there. All right. Oh my God. Oh, this is hard. (laughs) And finally, let's roll through the fifth grade questions quickly. We might have to go to a tiebreaker the way you guys are doing. This is awesome. John, no, uh, which category is Bradley answering a question from? She doesn't know um, what's left. How about geography? Geography. All right. Okay. 
We've got you Bradley. This question for you. Nope, nope. We're good. We've got fresh questions every single time. What okay. measures the distance north or south of the equator? Latitude or longitude? Can you ask the first part again? I wasn't paying attention. What measures distance north or south of the equator? Latitude or longitude? Oh, I'm confused by this. Like, I'm not. Oh, she's smack talking over there. I know. I love it. What measures distance north and south? What measures distance north or south of the equator? Uh, that would be latitude. Got it. Well, because like the latter. I know, but in my head, I was thinking like longitude goes north and south. Never mind. Quickly, Bradley, which uh, category is Don answering the question to force a tiebreaker? Uh, Math. Math. All right, here we go. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. I got to get out my phone and the calculator. I don't think so, Don. You should have this. A hexagon has how many sides? Six. Boom. There we go. Now get ready to ring in. Your name is your buzzer. By the way, we ran right through this. Five to five. Last time you guys, like I said, struggled a little bit. First one to ring in and get this correct will be the winner. Yell out your name. Your name is your buzzer. Here we go. From fifth grade social studies and history. What is the name of the last queen of France? Bradley. Bradley. Trainer. Marie Antoinette. We've got a winner. Yeah. Nails it! Marie Antoinette was the final. Or the Don last looks queen confused. of France. Are you... We just need to go eat cake. Oh. <laughs> She's just Let her eat cake! <laughs> That's right. At least I know about her. I there just you didn't go. think she was the last. Anyway, oh. good job, Brad. Fantastic performance for you two. That was, I think we nailed it. Today. You did. You did win it. Unfortunately, not enough time to show the consolation prize, but uh, you, you do get a consolation prize. Uh, Mike, done. thank you for that yes, game. Yes, of course. John, uh, enjoy. It's over. Oh, feel, bye. Uh, feel better, and uh, yeah. we'll chat again tomorrow. We're going to do this again <laughs> at noon. Keep reading okay. that book, spare you guys, and let us know what you think. Up next, Lori and Julia, right here on My Talk 1071. Bye.